This podcast is brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. Thanks for listening. Our scripture reading today is taken from Ruth chapter 2. Uh, I'd like to invite Keris to read this for us uh, before Nick comes to bring the sermon for today. Today's scripture reading is taken from the book of Ruth, chapter 2. Ruth, chapter 2. Now, Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. Naomi said to her, Go ahead, my daughter. So she went out, entered a field, and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they answered. Boaz asked the overseer of his harvesters, Who does that young woman belong to? The overseer replied, She is the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She came into the field and has remained here from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. So Boaz said to Ruth, My daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field, and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting, and follow along after the women. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you. And whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. At this, she bowed down with her face to the ground. She asked him, Why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. May I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord, she said. You have put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servant, though I do not have the standing of one of your servants. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come over here, have some bread and dip it in the wine vinegar. When she sat down with the harvesters, he offered her some roasted grain. She ate all she wanted and had some left over. 
as she got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to his men. Let her gather among the sheaves and don't reprimand her. Even pull out some stalks for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up and don't rebuke her. So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. Then she thrashed the barley she had gathered and it amounted to about an ephah. She carried it back to town and her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered. Ruth also brought out and gave her what she had left over after she had eaten enough. Her mother-in-law asked her, Where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one at whose place she had been working. The name of the man I work with today is Boaz, she said. The Lord blessed him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. She added, that man is our close relative. He is one of our guardian redeemers. Then Ruth the Moabite said, He even said to me, Stay with my workers until they finish harvesting all my grain. Now meet her daughter-in-law. It will be good for you, my daughter, to go with the women who work for him, because in someone else's field, you might be harmed. So Ruth stayed close to the women of Boaz to glean until the barley and wheat harvest were finished and she lived with her mother-in-law. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, friends. Let's, let me pray and, and we will look at God's word together. Let's pray. Living, living God, help us to so hear your holy word that we may truly understand, that understanding we may believe, and believing we may follow in all faithfulness and obedience, seeking to your, your honour and glory in all that we do, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. If some of you know, uh, I serve with the children's ministry. So one time uh, I was teaching the children and I brought uh, some toys, some of my, my own kids' toys uh, as an uh, uh, illustration. So one kid came early and, and I saw he was looking really sad. I asked him, hey, what's wrong? Why are you looking so sad? And he said, well, my parents scolded me because of my studies, because I couldn't do my things here. So well, because it was still early, I thought I'd you know, cheer him up, I'll just pass him off the uh, one of the toys uh, to play with. And he was happy for a while. But after play, well, after, suddenly he, he looked sad again. And then he came to me, held out the toy, and turned it to me and he said, I don't deserve this. So he did wrong and he felt that he didn't deserve any favor at, at all. Yeah, so can we find uh, un, can we find undeserved favor. So our society says, no. See, if you study hard, you should get the grades. If you do, I mean, put in your effort for your end of your exam, you should get the grades. If not, you don't deserve the grades. If you work hard, you deserve the promotion. If not, you don't deserve the promotion. See, those who are good deserve good things in life. Those who are not don't deserve good things in life. 
But this, this is also how we think about our relationship with God. You see, we think that those who are good enough deserve God's favour. But no one is good enough. Some of us say we trust Him, uh, but His Word has little impact in our lives. But some of us don't know, don't trust Him. So for all of us, we all don't deserve any good from, from Him. We have sinned against Him. We don't deserve anything good. So can we, undeserving people, find favour with God? Can we have life? Now that's the same question we'll be uh, thinking about in our passage today. You see, in our past, uh, last week, Naomi rejected the Lord when she and her, and her family moved from the land that God gave them in Bethlehem, in Israel, and went to the enemy, Moab, and she stayed there for 10 years. Her sons even married a Moabite woman. You know, what's going on between Israel and Moab? Now, it's not, it's not like the relationship between Singapore and Malaysia. I mean, the most we feel is like the, the pain of queuing up. You see, the people in those days, yes, uh, God had promised the people of Israel this land. Okay, so there's a bit more to the north that, that is not in the map. God had promised this land to the people of Israel. But they had, so they wanted to pass through this first country, uh, Edom. But Edom said, no, you cannot pass through. To take a shortcut. No, they said no. So they went around Edom and they went to Moab. Okay, now, they wanted to take this shortcut up uh, to, to the land of Canaan. Uh, but the people of Moab said no. So they had to go around uh, Moab. Now that's not all that Moab did. See, Moab tried to curse Israel. They tried to use their women to seduce Israel. Now that's why the Moabites are not welcome in Israel. So this is what God said. No Moabite or, sorry, no Ammonite or Moabite. That's, that's, those are people that we we're talking about, or any of the descendants may enter the assembly of the Lord, not even a tenth generation, or they did not come to meet you with bread and water on your way when you came out of Egypt. And they hired Balaam, son of Beor, from Hitor in Aram Naharaim, to pronounce a curse on you. So Naomi chose to stay with the enemy for ten years. So she didn't deserve any favor from the Lord. So after her husband and two sons died, she returned back to a land lost, empty, and bitter against the Lord. Bitter that the Lord let her suffer. And Ruth, her daughter-in-law, uh, returned with her. Okay, so this is, yeah. So returned with her, and Ruth was the Moabite from Moab. She was the enemy from the enemy lands. So she also de- didn't deserve any favor from the Lord. So the undeserving Naomi and the undeserving Ruth, they are back in the land. Uh, in Bethlehem, the house of bread, where the barley harvest was just starting. Now, yes, there is food in the land. But last week we saw that there is no good apart from the Lord. So they are with the Lord, but what if they are with the Lord and they are undeserving? If they are with the Lord, they are undeserving. Normally we don't expect them to get any good. But can the undeserving people find favour from the Lord? The answer that Ruth chapter 2 gives is yes. Because God gives the undeserving favor through a redeemer. So we'll see today how Ruth was finding favor in verse 1 to 7, and how she found favor in verse 8 to 16, and how she continued to have favor in verse 17 to 23. So if your Bibles, so please stay with me at Ruth chapter 2. 
So our passage starts with someone we should look out for. So chapter 2, verse 1. Now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. So Boaz was a so man of standing. We have to watch out for this person. So he's a man of good character. He trusts in the Lord, and the Lord has blessed him with riches. Okay, we learn nothing about Boaz is that he's a relative of Naomi's deceased husband. So he has some responsibility to provide for Naomi. Now, why start with this? Why tell us what Boaz looks like? So I think it's helpful because you might think Boaz looks like Dwayne Johnson or, I, I don't know, Brad Pitt or something like that. Okay, now, the Bible doesn't tell us what they look like. So, and the Bible, okay, side point, the Bible also doesn't tell us what Ruth looks like. So please don't think that Ruth looks like a beat, uh, sorry, black pink or something. Yeah, so don't think of that. In fact, later I'll show you, I think, confirm she, she doesn't look like black pink. Yeah, because they're too skinny. Okay, so um, the Bible doesn't say what they look like. The Bible instead focuses on their character. So here we see Boaz is a man of standing, and his relationship with the family is that he's a relative. So our story continues with these two widows with no food and no one to provide for them. So verse 2, Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the fields and pick up leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. Naomi said to her, Go ahead, my daughter. So this picking up of leftover grain is called uh, gleaning. So the Lord commanded his people, uh, when, if they have a field, they're not, to, not to harvest every single grain uh, when, when, they, when they do that. So in Leviticus chapter 19, uh, God says, When you reap the, the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field, or, do, or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time to pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor. And the foreigner. I am the Lord your God. So if you have a field, you're not supposed to harvest everything. And if you drop anything on the floor, leave it. It's for the poor, the foreigner, the people who have no support in the land. So Ruth, re- Ruth trusted the Lord's word. Ruth relied on this provision from the Lord to get food for herself, for Naomi. And in verse 2, if you, see, if you look carefully, her hope is to find a favor with a harvester. So as a person is harvesting, maybe he drops some, some extra grains. So Ruth coming behind him has uh, grains to pick up. Now again, Ruth was an undeserving Moabite. She didn't deserve any good from the Lord. So how can she expect, how can this undeserving Moabite expect to glean with the Lord's people? Now Ruth needs this favor to glean. You see if she doesn't glean, she has no food. If she has no food, then she will die. She will starve. She needs this favor to live. So this favor is a life and death matter for her. So Ruth went out, and of all the fields she have chosen, she randomly chose one field. So verse 3. So she went out, entered a field, and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Oh, the guy in verse 1. Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they answered. As it turned out, of all the fields that Ruth could go to, by chance, she went to Boaz's field. 
And then, by chance, what happened? Boaz arrived. Now, for, for, for all of you uh, diehard romantics out there, you might think, well, this is a fantastic story for a rom-com. You might think this is a mere luck. But friends, from last week, we, we see that it's not just mere luck because the Lord is doing something. The Lord brought Naomi from, from Moab and from emptiness, from death, to this place of bread, to the house of bread. And the Lord is bringing Ruth to Boaz's field and at the same time, Boaz back to his field. God uses ordinary means to do his will, do what he wants. We call this, okay, the big term is uh, providence. So if, if uh, you are in a Nick Lim's group, you will see he has this big book on providence. You can use it as a doorstopper. It's quite a complex uh, doctrine. But it simply means that God uses the, the, the world that he made to do what he wants. So in Ruth chapter 1, verse 21, Ruth, uh, Naomi said, The Lord brought me back. The Lord brought Naomi back from empty Moab to fill her up in Israel. So this meeting is part of his grand plan. His grand plan, this little part of it we see is God wants to provide food for her. So this is God's providence for her benefit. But friends, isn't it, isn't it extraordinary how ordinary this is? That the, that the God who could rain down bread from the sky, he chose to fulfill his grand plan to feed Naomi through, I don't know, through boy meets girl. Not through extraordinary miracles, but through the ordinary means of bringing two people together. Now, this is, this is important for us because, you see, you and I go through many things in life. And we, are one, we, we often wonder, well, why does God let me go through this? Now, God's plan, God's reason for letting you go through that is so that you can become more like Jesus. So Romans chapter 8, verse 28 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. So God works all things for our good. And what is this all, what, what's the good that God has in mind? It's not for you to be wealthy, famous, and healthy. The good that God has for us is to become more like Jesus. So this means God uses ordinary means, all things, right? God uses ordinary means to do that through life's routines, through life's ups and downs, through, through my holidays, through my exams. God is using ordinary means to make us more like Jesus. This pastor, John Newton, so he wrote the song Amazing Grace. He said this, Everything is necessary that God sends your way. Nothing can be necessary that he withholds. So whatever God knows is necessary for you, is good for you to become more like Jesus, you will have it. He will not withhold it from you. He will make sure you have it. It might be the ordinary, your ordinary lives. Maybe... The everyday, everyday practice or anyway, everyday thing that you go through, every, studying, work, the mundane parts of life. But it's also the down parts of life, the parts where we find it extremely difficult. 
don't despise what God is doing through your difficult times, through your ordinary times, because God is making you more like Jesus. Okay, let's continue with the story. So Boaz happened to see Ruth at his field. So he asked his overseer, uh, who is this person? So in verse 6, what does the overseer say? Do you notice how racist he is? Verse 6. The overseer replied, she is the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, let me clean and gather among the sheaves among the, behind the harvesters. She came to the field and has remained here from morning to now except for a short rest in the shelter. She's that foreigner. She's the enemy from the enemy country Moab. She has the cheek to ask to glean. Yes. But she even asked to gather from the bundles uh, that, the, that the workers have worked hard to gather from and, and, and accidentally dropped on the floor. Foreigner, uh, the Moabite from Moab. She wants to emphasize that this woman doesn't belong here. She's the enemy. Now, verse 2, Ruth said she only wanted to glean, to pick up the leftover grains that dropped on the floor. But the overseer added more to what she wanted to do. She wanted to gather from her among the, among the, the things that the, the bundles of, the bundles of wheat, uh, the bundles of barley that the harvesters have already gathered. Maybe she thought she's a greedy foreigner. So Ruth, she sought favor. She wanted, she wanted favor from a harvester to glean behind him. She, by chance, came to Boaz's field. She didn't find favor from the, from the overseer. She only found this favor, discrimination, disapproval. All the things she, she should have expected, really, because she's an undeserving foreigner. Perhaps the Lord brought her to the wrong field. But the Lord makes no mistakes. Like, like his overseer, Boaz gave generous favor to this undeserving uh, foreigner. Okay, Ruth is an is a unprotected female going, into, going to glean in the field where, where there are other, peop, other men. And she's going there without the protection of any male relatives, not with her father, not with her brothers, not with her husband. Okay, so I, I, imagine if, so for the guys here, if you see someone bullying your sister, what will you do? Would you do something about it? I don't know. Elliot, will you, will you, will you step up with someone bullies Shah? I hope you do. I hope you do. <laughs> yes, thank you. Yeah. So that's what, that's what, that's what family does, uh, do. Now, Ruth is going there in the passage by herself. No one to protect her. And she's the enemy. So she's uh, free, free for all. Any guy can sexually assault her and get away with it. She doesn't deserve any good. But Boaz here is different. Boaz gives her, offers her, says seven things to her in verse 8 and 9. So we'll group down into three things. So the first thing he says is to stay in his field. Verse 8, do not go and glean another field. Do not go away from here. Don't go elsewhere. Stay in the field. Stay in this field. Why stay in this field? Because there is protection in this field. Stay here with the woman who, who work for me. So those to go with the guys, stay with the woman. Watch the field where the men are harvesting. Follow along after the woman. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you. Ruth could stay with the woman as, 
and, and glean as, as they were as they're harvesting. And the men, if they dare touch Ruth, they will lose their jobs. Bo- Boaz commanded them not to touch her. So no harm will come to her as long as she is with Boaz. And not just that, as an added bonus, Boaz gave this foreigner access to the local water. This is the last, the last line there. And whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. Now in those days, they don't have a water coolers at the edge of the field. In those days, the servants have to, have to draw water in these big water jars from the, from the town. So they travel a long way with the water jars to the town, get the water, bring those water jars to the field where the men were working under the hot sun. Okay, so for, for those of us who are playing soccer, and for those of us who love to play soccer, we are playing soccer on 23rd October uh, at night. And when we play soccer, I, I, we always bring water. So I, I, I'll try to bring a one 1.5 liter bottle. I'll, I'll normally finish most of it. And that is me on uh, playing soccer for two hours, and usually I'm the goalkeeper. Playing soccer for two hours, uh, and I, in the middle of the night, that's how, and that's how much water I drink. Imagine this, these men, these, these are working, they are working under a hot Middle East sun for the whole day. How much more water they must drink? How much more precious that water is to them? And this foreigner, this freeloader, can just take their water. Now, that's the perspective of, of, the, of, the, lo- of the workers but from the perspective of Ruth, she saw she had undeserved favor. She got her wish in verse 2, but more than that, she wished, you see, she wished just for a harvester to notice her. But here, she, she got the favor of the boss. So with her heart bringing with thankfulness in verse 10, she bowed down with her face to the ground. She asked him, why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? Somehow, Boaz could look past her Moabite background. And the reason is this, in verse 11 to 13. Look at that. What does Boaz say? Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and your homeland, came to live with a people that you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Now this sounds familiar, doesn't it? So this sounds like Ruth chapter 1, verse 16, where Ruth tells Naomi, your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. So Boaz expands on this a little bit more. We see what she left behind and what she gained. So what she left behind. When she renounced her family, she left real people behind. Her father, her mother, her homeland. She said goodbye to all those familiar, close relationships that comforted her all her life to embrace these new people that she never knew before. Your people will be my people. And her relationship with God has also changed. She left the gods of Moab to trust in the Lord. She stopped trusting those fake gods uh, back at home in Moab to rely on the true God, the God of Israel. She came under his wings to take refuge. 
It's another way of saying she trusted in the Lord to protect her. So it's, it's like, I don't know whether you play this in primary school. Lao Ying Zua Xiao Ji, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, some of you know. Because, so the, the chicks, right, behind the chicken, they are all protected behind the, 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 the mother hen's wings so that the eagle cannot come and catch the, catch the chicks. So in the same way, Ruth has come under the protection of the Lord. So her heart, her commitment, her loyalty, her faith is in the God of Israel. Not with the Moabites, not with the fake gods, but with the Lord and with all the Lord's people. So the Boaz, a roof is an Israelite, not a Moabite. She's a Moabite by race, yes, but Israelite in her heart, her commitments, her loyalty and her faith. So now that the Lord has come, now that the roof has come under the Lord's protection, now that now Ruth has come under under the under the Lord's wings, Ruth is part of Boaz's people. So for Boaz, it's only right, it's only right to show her favor. So for Ruth, she knew she found the favor she was looking for back in verse two. So verse thirty, this is what she says: "May I continue to find favor in your eyes, my lord?" She said, "You have put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servant, though I do not have the standing of one of your servants." Or Ruth, this favor is still undeserved. She isn't like one of the servants. Yet Boaz is so kind to her. Now, just now we, we talked about the uh, diehard romantic. Now, for the pragmatists, pragmatic people among us, you realize that Boaz's favor is all talk. Then you say, Hey, Boaz, show me the proof. So the proof will be in the next part where we see his undeserved favor in action. So in verse 14, what happens is uh, Boaz, was having, Boaz was with the harvesters having their meal, midday meal and Ruth was outside. Maybe she didn't bring any food. She didn't have any food to bring because she just came back from Moab. So she saw Ruth outside and he said, verse 14, mealtime Boaz said to her, come over here, have some bread and dip it in wine vinegar. When she sat down with the harvesters, she offered her some roasted grain. She had all she wanted and had some leftover. So when Boaz shared her meal with her, she, he's actually welcoming Ruth as his equal. As part of God's family, God's people who worship the same God. So he gave her so much that she even had uh, Lots to tapau. Okay, so this is not just a little bit. Okay, this is a lot of tapau. We will see this uh, later on. How much, uh, how great a tapau she had. Then in verse 15, uh, Boaz gave orders to make sure Ruth's gleaning will be super successful. Look at verse 15 and 16. Do you see how generous he was? Verse 15. As she got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to his men. Let her gather among the sheaves and don't reprimand her. Even pull out stocks for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up. And don't rebuke her. Now these harvesters have to work hard to cut off stocks of grain and bundle these stocks uh, into sheaves. So what Boaz wants to do is Boaz wants to lower their productivity so that a roof can glean, glean more. So if they drop anything on the floor, leave it for a roof. If they see the roof behind, they take from their bundles, they pluck out some more and, and drop on the floor so a roof can pick up. 
Yeah, so for, uh, uh, for some of us, okay, so this is what, what my Bible study said. So it's like this foreigner hasn't come to take the local jobs. But worse, the locals must work. But this foreigner has come to take the locals' food. Except that this, except Ruth is no foreigner. Ruth is part of God's people. And again, Boaz did more beyond what was expected. He did beyond what was fair. So who suffered the loss of, of who suffered the loss for so that Ruth could benefit? Boaz suffered, but because of his loss, Ruth and Naomi had un, experienced favor, undeserved favor. They had food, and because they had food, they had life. What have we seen so far? Verse 1 to 7, Ruth was finding favor. Verse 8 to 16, Ruth found favor from Boaz. And she, in verse 13, she said she hopes to continue finding favor with him. And that's what we see in the last part. Boaz's favor continues. Yeah, after gleaning at Boaz's field, uh, verse 17 tells us, she brought back about one uh, epta of barley. And one epta of barley, it's not a translation to give you a weight, but let me get, tell you how much portion it is. One epta of barley is about 10 days worth of food. 10 days worth of food for one person. Okay, so imagine like if we, have, we eat, let's say lunch and dinner, lah. lunch and dinner, that's two meals a day. So 10 days worth of food, that is 20 packets of Thai fun. So somehow, she had the strength to carry 20 packets of Thai fun plus all the tapau food uh, from, from the field all the way back to, to the town where Naomi was. Yeah, so that's why I think uh, she doesn't look like uh, uh, Blackpink. Okay. No way they could do it. Okay, so in, in verse 18, right, she showed Naomi this like 10 days worth of food plus her excessive tapau from, from, uh, from Boaz. And Naomi was shocked. You see, normally if you glean, right, you, you only glean enough for the day then the next day, you must go and glean some more. Poor people never glean so much. In verse 19, her mother-in-law asked her, Where do you glean today? Where do you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Oh, it had to be. It had to be because someone was kind to her. So, so Naomi paused to bless the man. Naomi asked a where question. Where do you go? Ruth answered with a who kind of answer. Then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one whose place she had been working. The name of the man I've been working today is Boaz, she said. In verse 20, Naomi calls him a guardian redeemer. So this is a close relative who is responsible for caring for them. So if, uh, if Naomi and Ruth had debts, Boaz would be one of the people who, who must help to settle the debts, to pay off the debts, to redeem the land. So, that's the, so the, that means we, the, the Boaz that we saw back in verse 1, the man of standing, the relative, is also their redeemer. Yet from what we see, right, the reason for his generosity isn't that he's a redeemer. He wasn't that he's acting as a redeemer, but he's being generous because Ruth was a part of God's people. So if he's generous because, he, because she's, she's part of God's people, imagine how much more generous he will be if he acts as her redeemer. So that's what we'll see over the next few weeks uh, about Boaz acting as a redeemer. 
But for now, Ruth and Naomi have found favour with him. So in verse 21, Ruth says that Boaz will let Ruth keep gleaning until they harvested all the grain. All the grain, in verse 23, means both the barley and the wheat harvest. So continue. So this barley and wheat harvest, uh, the period is seven weeks. So barley harvest starts mid-March, ends mid-April. The wheat harvest starts in mid-April, ends in mid-May. So that the, whole, the period is seven weeks. So for seven weeks, Ruth will experience undeserved favor. And the right response, Naomi says, is stick with him. Don't go elsewhere. This is the guy who's showing you undeserved favor. Stick with him so that you can keep enjoying this undeserved favor. And that's what she did. She continued to glean from Boaz's field. Okay, so for those of us taking exams, let's have a multiplication exercise. So Ruth stayed, stayed with Boaz for seven weeks. How many days is that? Seven times seven? Forty-nine. Okay. And if each day she gleaned ten, ten days worth of food, how much food is that? Ten times forty-nine? 490. 490 days of food. Okay, I hope that helps you in your exams. But if not, it's 490 days of food. Okay, so if I, if that's for two women, it could, be, it could last them for about two-thirds of a year. Or if they ration their food carefully, it could last them for up to one year. Work 49 days and you're supplied for one year. A roof was finding favor. She found favor, and she found favor for up to one year. That is what we saw today. God shows undeserving favor through a redeemer. Now, this, a writer said, said on this passage, God's grace has a human face. So God gives grace through a human redeemer. And to qualify for this grace, what must you, what must you have? What did Ruth have? Nothing. To qualify for this grace, you must come empty and fully trust in God to provide. Like Ruth and Naomi, they came empty, started empty, they had no food. They faced death, they faced starvation. But Ruth trusted in the Lord. She took refuge under his wings and the Lord provided her food through Boaz. The Lord extended his wings of protection to Ruth through Boaz. So for seven, for the, at the end of seven weeks, they are full enough for a whole year. So the Lord could have dropped manna, could have dropped bread from the sky, could have sent quail to, to give them meat, but he didn't. God provided that for them through ordinary means, through an ordinary person like Boaz, through a guardian redeemer who cared for them. So God's grace has a human face in Boaz. Many years later, in the New Testament, we find favor in Jesus. You see, all of us are in danger of God's judgment because we've all rebelled against Him. We don't even deserve the air that God is letting us breathe right now. We need favor from Jesus. We need grace, otherwise we will die. We need Jesus to save us from God's judgment and to give us eternal life. And to trust in Jesus, to receive Jesus' favor and grace, uh, it's the same. We have nothing to offer. You come to him for help. 
Now, this doesn't make sense. How can we receive grace if we don't deserve it, if we have nothing to offer? So in this book, uh, he is not ashamed. This pastor, uh, Eric Raymond, said, having nothing might seem like a liability, but actually, in the economy of grace, it's an asset. Having nothing qualifies you to receive everything you would, have, you would ever need. Imagine that. Having nothing qualifies you to receive favor from Jesus. That's good news for all of us. Because none of us can ever offer anything good, anything worthy enough for grace. Because by definition, grace is for the undeserved. We are not worthy based on how well we keep the Ten Commandments. Because we can't keep the Ten Commandments. We are not worthy based on how well people like us. Because people can't see to the depths of our hearts but how black, how, how sinful, how dark our hearts are. God's grace has a human face in Jesus. Jesus saves unworthy people like us, undeserving people like us. And Jesus is greater than Boaz because Jesus is both our Redeemer and our God. Ruth trusted the Lord uh, as her God to protect her. She turned away from her people, her gods in Moab. In the same way, when we trust in Jesus as our God, we turn away from our old way of living. Turn away from the gods of our goodness, our righteousness, or the gods of our security in grades, or money, or relationships. And what happens to those who leave all to follow Jesus? Mark chapter 10 says, Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, No one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fears for me and the gospel failed to receive a hundred times as much in the present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields, along with persecutions and the age to come, eternal life. Following Jesus means that your loyalties have changed. You are no longer loyal to your family and your possessions. Yes, you live your family. Yes, you stay in your schools. You stay in your work. But you are loyal to Jesus. Those who, have, those who have changed to be loyal to Jesus, we say no, we say goodbye to everything in the past. And Jesus says that you will be blessed with, with things now, but not just that. In the age to come, you will have eternal life. You will not face death. But will you trust in Jesus today? Jesus' favor is available for you. If you learn from Ruth, you say no to your old ways and to come under Jesus' protection, come under Jesus' wings. God's grace is most clear in the human face of Jesus. And God's grace is also shown to us in the human face of other believers. If I look back at Mark chapter 10, you see those who give up family security for Jesus, they do get something now in life. They do get a hundred times more family, a hundred times more possession. How do they get this hundred times more family and possessions and fields? They get it because they have other Christians become their family and, and the other Christians share their things with them. Not because well, when we give up things, we, are unworthy, we will become worthy. No. Uh, we are all unworthy. We are all undeserving. As people who have received grace from Jesus, as people who have received undeserved favor from Jesus, we show that same undeserved favor to others. 
because we are one family. So just as Boaz showed Ruth favor because they're the same people, Christians, you and I show favor because we are the same people. Not based on no matter your race, your background, your age. As long as you follow the same Jesus, we are family. So what I have, you are welcome to share. When one of us rejoices, we rejoice together. When one of us grieves, we grieve together. When one of us struggles, we all struggle together. And we support that brother and sister. Because God's grace has a human face in Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, nothing in our hands we bring. Simply to the cross we cling. In Jesus' name, Amen. Yeah, thanks Nick for the sermon. And we will not have a breakout time today, uh, but Nick has prepared for us two questions to help us reflect on what we've heard today. Uh, Question one says, how does God show us favour today? Question two, what are some things that make us forget God's favour for us? So I invite you to take a photo of this and you can discuss this over uh, lunch or over the week uh, as you ponder about the message you've heard today. Thanks for listening to this podcast brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. For more information, visit us online at busypc.sg.